the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. Energy from the perspective of human flourishing. And as a consequence, the number one defender of the fossil fuel uh, business. So I got a question online here. Uh, somebody asked, so, so what do you make of Al Gore? Is, is, is he basically just lying? What do I make of Al Gore? That's a good, that's a good question. Well, I think, I think it's wrong to just think of things in terms of you're telling the truth or you're, or you're lying. I think that's, that's the wrong kind of view of knowledge because usually it's not just they're misrepresenting a particular fact, though that can happen. It's that their whole framework for thinking about things is distorted. So I mentioned that what a documentary owes us is it owes us the whole picture. And I should add to that, it owes us the whole picture of what you mentioned, which is what's going to impact human flourishing. And Al Gore's framework is not to think of things in terms of human flourishing. He thinks of things in terms of minimizing human impact on the planet. And in part because he has that framework, he has this expectation, which creates enormous confirmation bias, that anything we do that impacts nature must be bad. So he looks at the universe and looks at, hey, where is the basically Gaia punishing us for our environmental sins. And, and all of his focus is there. And then he doesn't expect any unique benefits to come from changing nature in the way that we do. So it's, it's that kind of distortion. And when you have that kind of distorted framework, it takes a lot of honesty to then be, be pulled back and to look at all the counter evidence and to not have your confirmation bias. And, and let's just say Al Gore is not a person I would count on for a lot of honesty. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think he is. I think it's fair to say that the guy is dishonest. But 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 you're right. The, the, the right way to look at this is to look at the full context and look at all the information he's leaving out, not necessarily whether he's lying about a particular fact. But you have a uh, you've written uh, a um, an article about about the movie and you talk about a lot of kind of his predictions about catastrophic sea rises. Miami's going to flood. I mean. Isn't it true, though, given the context of human flourishing, that if Miami's really going to flood, we should be prepared and we should think about solutions? Um, how does he present it in the movie and how would you address this issue of Miami flooding? Well, I mean, it's a big kind of if and even the way you posed it. I mean, what does it mean it's going to flood? Because yep. part of how I'd think of it, and I'm sure how you'd think of it, is we look at it from a technological perspective. So we think about, okay, what are all of the different things that we could do if there was sea level rise? And there is some sea level rise. I mean, it's risen a ton since the last ice age. So if that's really a concern, what can we do technologically? What Gore does is he actually tries to anticipate that argument by showing some road that's flooded and they took some sort of half-assed, like, quote-unquote, technology measure. And he just says, well, you know, you can't compete with Mother Nature. So then his solution is, well, let's just starve the whole world of energy. And then that'll be uh, fantastic. So he's not looking at this in a pro-technology way. He's looking at this in an anti-technology way and that his core solution is to withdraw technology and, and to use technologies that are demonstrably inferior, like solar and wind. It's very telling that he's not an advocate of nuclear and hydro, which are, are the best non-CO2 forms of energy. Yeah, and, and, and so... Tell us a little bit about about this issue of of uh, solar and wind. I mean, it's kind of cool, right? That we can use the sun to generate electricity. Uh, you know, I get I get a salesman knocking on my door trying to sell me uh, solar panels. 
I think I actually did a thesis in high school. I think my senior thesis on solar energy. Back then, this is 1979, I think, any day now they were going to have the breakthrough to make it completely economical. And, and I interviewed scientists and stuff, and it was, it was cool. So what have you got against technology, Alex? These are major advancements we're making in solar energy. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a backward perspective that the solar files have because they'll say, oh, well, you, must, you like fossil fuels, so you must hate solar. Yep. Um, it's not that at all. It's the reason I'm talking about fossil fuels is because you hate them and you're trying to restrict them. So for if the government was going after Apple and I defended Apple, that wouldn't mean that I hate Samsung and that I'm, <laughs> I would be indifferent to a superior Samsung product. It means that I want Apple to have the freedom to compete. And as part of that, I'm championing the value of what they've done and what they plan to do in the future. So I'm not advocating, they're advocating for the suppression of currently superior technologies. I'm not advocating for the suppression of currently inferior technologies because as customers, we can suppress or promote things by buying them or not. So in what sense is, um, is solar and wind an inferior technology? Right now, well, the the ultimate the ultimate thing is: can it produce? Can you get reliable energy, including electricity, uh, on demand at at the lowest cost possible? And the the core problem that they have in delivering this is that the inputs, the sun and the wind, are not reliable inputs, and therefore they need some sort of reliability measure. And using batteries is just insanely expensive. So what every grid in the world does is they back it up using fossil fuels and to some extent nuclear and hydro. But then how much do you need to back it up? Well, since you can never really rely on it, you need almost 100% backup. But that means it's not backup. It's just life support. And then the, the solar and wind become dead weight. So they have all sorts of, uh, of accounting gimmicks to get around this. But ultimately, the question is, what happens to the cost of electricity on the grid when you put solar and wind on and it always goes way up because it's just a bunch of dead weight. Yeah. And, and, and the fact is that it's unbelievably even put aside, even putting aside the dead weight aspect, the technology is just not there in terms of competing with fossil fuels in terms of cost. That is, even if I, I think you tell me if I'm wrong, Alex, even if solar was on all the time, even if you had 365 days of sunshine, we come pretty close in Southern California it still would be more expensive if it wasn't subsidized than fossil well, fuels. Well, that, that, that would be interesting. I mean, I think it would be much more promising and exciting that way. But, okay, 365 days. First of all, you're talking about a, a, a very distinctive place. Second of all, I've lived in Southern California a lot, and it does not have 24 hours a day worth of sunlight, which is the really relevant thing. It's, it's I guess not that's just a that you have sunny yes. days. <laughs> it's that you have very dark Nice. And just go to the UCI. I think it's a Carl's Jr. And they've got their solar reading on the wall and just go there after, you know, 4 p.m. And it'll just say zero and it'll say powered by solar. So. Yep. Yeah, no, uh, nighttime is an inconvenience, a, a really inconvenient truth for, uh, for Al Gore, uh, for, the whole, uh, for the whole scam of solar energy. All right, Alex, uh, we've got about a minute and a half. Parting thoughts and where can people find out more about you the organization, what do you, what do you want them to read? Um, what do you want them to read following your appearance here? Uh, there's one quick example that I think captures my perspective. My friend in India was telling me when he grew up, he, uh, 
heat experience 120 degrees. And the environmentalist solution is let's somehow stop using energy and get them down to 119. And my solution is get them a damn air conditioner. Yep. So I think that's how we climb it differently. In terms of what I'm up to, uh, industrialprogress.com is our website, and we have a newsletter. I just suggest that people join that, and you can see all the latest things. There's something coming up, which I like, called Human Flourishing Project. Uh, but we just mail out weekly. We don't spam you. And I think that all, that's the best way to see. There's obviously social media as well. But honestly, I want you on my mailing list. So industrialprogress.com. Your book, your book, quickly. Oh, the book, sorry. The Moral Gifts for Fossil Fuels, available at Amazon and, and whatever other book. Everybody, everybody should go out there, buy the mall case for fossil fuel. Follow Alex on industrialprogress.com. Sign up for the newsletter. As he said, he doesn't spam. I'm, I'm subscribed. I've read the book. Uh, I encourage all of you uh, to do the same. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.